Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. Uh, today we're on location in a very special place. We are at the Torrent House here in Muskegon, and I am joined by Mallory Metzger, the Marketing and Programming Coordinator of the Hackley Public Library, as well as Joe Zappacosta, the Director of the Hackley Public Library. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of the Torrent House and also about some of the plans that the library has for the Torrent House here in the future. Uh, so thank you both for joining me today and letting me come to your um, neck of the woods here. Yes, sure. thanks for coming. We're excited. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So let's just talk a little bit about the uh, Torrent House to begin with. What can you tell me about the namesake of the house, first of all? Yeah, so um, the namesake, it's named after John Torrent. He was a lumber baron here in Muskegon. He was born in 1833 and passed away in 1915. But as I mentioned, he was a pioneering lumberman, an alderman. He was a justice of the peace. He was also a Muskegon mayor for a few terms. Um, so he was successful not only in lumbering, but in other business endeavors, including owning a shingle saw and lumber mill, um, actually several of them, one in Muskegon, also in Manistee, Ludington, Whitehall, even further north in Traverse City and also Sault Ste. Marie. And the machinery there was very, you know, modern, very up to date. So he was definitely a man of the modern world. I um I recently re-listened to your podcast um, titled John Turrent, Loverman, Investor, Politician, and Real Estate Mogul. And in that podcast, you described who John Turrent was very well. I especially enjoyed how in that podcast, you go into how uh, we shouldn't project our feelings and current standards onto people and situations from the past, as the perspectives and times are very different from today. But you go on to say that John Turrent may have been a tough person, to like by any standards. Um, so uh, Mr. Turrent seemed to be a very sure of himself and uh, a story that you covered in the podcast about him, it illustrates that very well, uh, about how he wanted to start a bank called uh, quote unquote John Torrent Bank. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and I will say I'm a little biased because I think he is my favorite lumber baron Muskegon. He's such an interesting character. I always refer to him as a Scooby-Doo villain. Uh, that's kind of how he comes across a lot of times. So um, I love talking about him. Uh, so getting to our house that we're in now, the Torrent House, um, what can you tell me a little bit about uh, when it was built and kind of I know, how it was originally built here? Yeah, so just to kind of jump into the house itself, so it cost roughly $250,000 to build. It's a 31-room mansion. Um, it was built between 1891 and 1892. And, you know, just to think, back in the time, $250,000 would have been quite expensive. So $250,000 in 1890s inflates to about $7.5 million to today's money. And then with the repairs and costs that came out from a fire that occurred during the construction, that would probably get us to about $8 million for this building. Um, so the variance between those figures provides insight into the context of how different 1890s are from today. This huge, towering Richardsonian mansion designed by W.K. Johnson is one of the only stone residents of its size in Muskegon. The house's rock-faced gray granite set on a foundation of Illinois limestone. The Hipton gabled roof was originally covered in red tile. The house measured about 94 by 60 feet and is 62 feet high and contains 31 rooms. The family, including Carolyn, and uh, moved into the home by 1894. Sadly, three of the nine children died young, and it appears that the 
first John Torrent Jr. may have passed away at a very young age. Of the nine, it looks like maybe only two of the children were of the age that would still be under care of their parents when the house was completed. And the last child, Russell, was born in 1896, may have been born in the home. So, I mean, we're talking a very unique, a very expensive house at the time that it was built. Um, would have turned a lot of heads as it was being constructed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Torrent, you know, at this time, he had a lot of money, correct? I mean, he had pretty much made his wealth um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. This would have been later in his career. And from what I've, I've read and heard is that he, he meant to rival the Hackley home when he built it. It was definitely one of his intentions. And we talked a little before our interview started here just about its location here in Muskegon. Um, so for those of you that aren't aware, um, you know, it's already across the road from Hackley Library, but it's also Kitty Corner from Hackley Park. It's right next to Hackley School. So um, it's kind of in this area overlooking a lot of Hackley's gifts to the community, which I mm -hmm. find really interesting. <laughs> I find that interesting as well. And you wonder, you know, it, it is kind of a, a pro and con type thing. Like, he had to see all of these Hackley things, as you mentioned, around him, but it also gave him the chance to have his name right in the center of downtown, being surrounded as well, almost maybe as a reminder to people, hey, I'm also very prominent, I'm a great lumber baron, you know, a businessman. So you never know, there could have been several motives. And really, too, we're about, what, block and a half down the road from each other here, so right. two blocks down the road, so. Pretty much neighbors, almost. <laughs> yeah, pretty much neighbors, right. Do we know a bit more about the history? So the Torrent family lived in the house for, do we know approximately how long? Well, so it was built 1891 to 1892. 18, yeah. And then it, so in the notes here, it says the mansion was first sold in 1929, two years after Caroline Torrent passed away in 1927. So, um, you know, really roughly from 1892 to 1927 is when the family would have resided in, in some capacity. So a little over 30 years or so that they lived here in the house. After the Torrent family was out of the house here, it has quite a history following that up. That's going to eventually bring us to the library coming into possession of it, but uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what happened to the house after the Torrents um, were no longer in possession of it? So in 1927, the house was sold to Ralph James Balburney, a second-generation undertaker. Mr. Balburney moved his previously established mortuary or funeral home to the Torrent House, which featured a chapel that seated 240 people in a morgue in the basement. Which is a really interesting thing to kind of wrap your head around, a family house and then a morgue. It's right. kind of a weird transition. Isn't yeah. It is. I mean, because you think, you think about a family home having children running through, laughter, playing, and then mm -hmm. to think how it took this quite a turn into something different, you know? It is definitely interesting to think about how it changed hands, changed dynamics. And do we know anything about how the house was modified to make it a funeral parlor? Is it... All I, I can imagine that they, they utilize some of the large spaces, especially here on the third floor where there is a ballroom, and that may have been where the chapel was. But that part of the history I don't know as well. Um, but we know a lot more after they, they sell it to, the, to a hospital. Yeah, so let's continue on. So it was a mortuary okay. under the Balburnies for a while. Uh, then in 1942, the Muskegon Osteopathic Hospital started as a small private hospital by a group of 21 osteopathic physicians and surgeons from West Michigan. They bought the house at that time for $26,000. And in my research, I found an interesting story about the exchange of ownership from the mortuary to the hospital. The opening of the Muskegon Osteopathic Hospital was delayed because Bernie Mortuary refused to leave the premises. 
the mortuary was not quite ready to give up ownership after sale of the building and had to be evicted. The second part of the story involves a Dr. John Wallace who started his career at the Torrent House as an intern. The story is that Dr. Wallace recalled exploring the mansion shortly after the hospital opened. Apparently, he came across a body stored in a large drawer. In the confusion of the departure, it sounds as though the former tenant must have misplaced the body. I'd love to know more about Dr. John Wallace. I imagine he would have many stories to tell about his years working at the Torrent House as a hospital. Another fun story I found was about the operating room. It was located in the basement. I'm pretty sure it was uh, what we know as the room next to um, where the furnace room. It, It was described as a space that the only room with a tile floor and walls in the Torrent House, which is still true today. Unfortunately, on one occasion, the oil-fired furnace located next to the surgery room exploded and blew uh, down the door between the two rooms, showering everyone with black soot. Fortunately, the patient on the operating table at the time did not suffer any ill effects. Jeez, that's got to... Uh, put a little excitement into the surgery, I guess. I, yeah. You know, wow. as the patient, I would have been very curious, you know, to be able to retell that story to family and friends. Like, you will never <laughs> believe what happened to me. They might not have never known. Yeah. Oh, but, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. So hopefully they were sedated. They yeah. had no idea what happened. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, you talked about, you know, kind of a, a body being stashed somewhere and not knowing it. Um, you know, the house is, it's quite a large house, as you can mm. see from the outside and from the interior here. And... Yeah, you can imagine there's probably a lot of those little cubby holes and hidden away places that um, you just forgot to check on the way out. It's interesting Mm -hmm. that it was such a contentious uh, transfer uh, there of the house. Mm -hmm. Is there any reason, do we know, why Balberni didn't want to leave or they just... I couldn't find why they didn't want to leave. It it would be great to know those. Those little pieces that I'd love to know more about if I could find that out. But um, they had to be removed from the building was what I remember seeing, so... It was definitely a very contentious exchange. So, but more, more maybe to come. Maybe that could be something we could fill in later. I'd love to know that story, though. Hopefully, someone out there knows a little bit about that story. Maybe they can tell us a bit more about it. That'd be great. So now the hospital is here. The osteopathic hospital is here in Mm -hmm. the Torrent House. Can you tell me a little more about their time here at the house? DO stands for Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. Just to give you a little background, they use the same conventional medical techniques as medical doctors but with a few other methods. DOs tend to focus more on holistic health and prevention. In holistic health, all parts of a person, including their mind and their body and emotions are considered during treatment. And then there was also uh, a decree issued in Muskegon stating that any nurse working at the osteopathic hospital would be immediately barred from working at Hackley Hospital and Mercy Hospital. Another interesting problem occurred as a result of local prejudice when the hospital attempted to secure a street sign, which would have said quiet hospital zone. In spite of numerous requests, the city of Muskegon officials refused and would not recognize the facility as a hospital. However, despite some of the negative feelings in the community, the hospital continued to grow and had 100% accuracy rate for much of the time. And then it was in 1957 that the osteopathic hospital purchased the adjacent property and built an additional along West Webster Avenue. The expansion added 41 beds, bringing the total to 67 adults, eight pediatrics, and 10 newborns. The old section of the hospital, the Torrent House, continued to house the pediatric ward, administrative offices, a pharmacy, medical records, and maintenance department. The hospital eventually moved in 1967 to accommodate continued growth and became known as the Muskegon General Hospital. 
So it started out really pretty small here when it was just in the Torin house here. It sounds mm -hmm. like maybe about 15 beds or so approximately. Yeah. Um, and then that addition that was put on there really added a lot of space. Seemed to make it a real hospital. And at that time, then they converted the carriage house into a power station and a heating system. So it was a pretty sizable operation at that time. It's interesting that the community didn't uh, see it in too positive of a light for quite a while there, it sounds like. My guess is that from what I can tell is that the it was the osteopathic um, medicine. It has uh, a very controversial origin. The founder believed that you address the whole body and where medical doctors were very specific at that time. And so there was a little controversy between the two. But by today's standards, you wouldn't even know it. You might have a family doctor and, and hadn't even noticed that they're a DO. Um, but I, I like to think that they retain some of that original holistic thinking when it comes to treatment. And I like the idea that they treat the whole body, especially your mind, because your mind is so involved in your health. So when they made that addition, um, they made it right basically onto the house, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, they attached them together. I mean, can you tell me a little bit more how that how that worked? I mean, did they tear down walls? Was there new passageways opened up? Yep. Um, it's on the northeast side of the building, which faces towards, uh, well, the northeast side of town. There was not a lot of necessarily thought into keeping them necessarily like with the thought that they'd have removed that building. I think it was meant really as a permanent structure. They did create passageways between the two on each level. The adjacent addition is two stories, while the torn house is three. So on two levels, they're connecting with doorways. And then in the basement, there was a doorway. And they are pretty much tied in with both utilities and um, there are steel beams that hold the two together. Uh, there's a elevator shaft that when if you call the elevator up and look into the shaft, you can see the side of the, the torrent house. Oh, that's a little scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, when they created that addition, they try to kind of blend the looks together, or is it just completely no, separate style fact, look? It was a red brick structure, and now it's it has a different facade on there. Um, that's not the way it looked. It looked totally different when it was first built. Uh, I don't think there was any real sense of like keeping them to look like united in any way it was it was really rough while i like to think of this hospital as being really important to muskegon when they did the construction it's frustrating because um now that we're thinking of the future it's it it's just so um roughly done and and so undoing that's going to be a challenge yeah so they gave you a lot of work to, mm -hmm. to look forward to yeah, yeah. And speaking of the library, how did the library come into the possession then of the Torrent House here from, okay. well, from the I, hospital? As I said, the hospital moved then in 1960 or 1967, and then the American Red Cross established its headquarters at the property. And in 1972, the city of Muskegon purchased the Torrent House and divided the property. Um, they wanted to, uh, the Red Cross was thinking of building a parking lot where the Torrent House is. And at that time, to their defense, the Torn House was becoming very, um, like it needed a lot of renovation and, yeah. and care. And it was, yeah, it was a big old home. And, and especially in, those, in that time, there wasn't a lot of thought about like restoring it. The stories I was told that when they came into possession, it would have almost been like an abandoned building. Didn't have heat, like an adequate heat. Everything was painted over when it was a hospital. So there was no like fireplace features or anything. All the wood was covered. 
So it was rough. So you didn't really have those historical features that you might want to try and save and preserve then anymore, basically. Right. I mean, it didn't look like you wanted to preserve it. Um, but then the city came in because they they did they saved it from the wrecking ball, literally. Uh, they divided the two properties. And I, I like to think this was all done in cooperation with the Red Cross. I don't know that part exactly. And when they split the two, the Torrent House became ownership of the city and the Red Cross owned um, the addition. And the Red Cross was literally thinking of that building because it was much larger than what they needed and thinking of it as a, a community service building. In fact, they call it that. And they had the United Way there for a while. There was a clinic in the basement. Um, it was a blood bank for many years. So it was much more than just um, the Red Cross there. Friends of the Library purchased the Torrent House property in December 28, 1994 and immediately donated it to the Muskegon Public Schools, of which the Hackley Public Library and the Art Museum was a division. In 2001, when the Hackley Public Library became an independent district library, and at that time we became, ten we became tenants of the building, our current lease with the Muskegon Public Schools is to last until 2051. And during that time, when before the Friends acquired the building, the city started to do renovations, and it was all done by volunteers, which is amazing to think. Yeah. Um, there were people that, I think there were city commissioners who actually came into the building, were scraping the paint, and uh, started to make improvements. But then when the Friends bought it, and the school started to renovate it, and the library was a tenant, that's when things really started to come into what we know of it as it is now, uh, how we recognize it as being somewhat restored, has modern heating systems. We had to just recently repair a sprinkler system that was a legacy of the hospital. This wasn't something we wanted, but apparently because it was here, we had to repair it. So that's what kind of brings us to today. What does the library um, host here exactly? So I know it's oh, part of it are open to the public, right? Yeah, so the main floor is our local history and genealogy department and staffed by two full-time staff members and consists of family histories, photo collections, first-hand documents, yearbooks, maps, and, and a whole lot more. Our primary focus in the Muskegon area is Muskegon area history. Uh, several local libraries passed their collections on to us over the years when there was they no longer had staff or space for them. Now it's common for other libraries to refer to people and um, then donate anything that they receive. The Muskegon Picture Collection contains hundreds of original historic photos of Muskegon area, people, and places. The defunct newspaper or microfilm are things that you can't view anywhere else except perhaps at the State Library. We have the Muskegon Times, the Daily News, and Reporter, um, and these are predecessors to, to um, the Chronicle. The local history and genealogy department houses a comprehensive Muskegon Chronicle collection, which features every issue of the paper starting in 1917 and continually updated. The Muskegon Chronicle is available digitally, but before 2019 is on microfilm. The library does feature microfilm readers and allows researchers to store the articles they find digitally, which can be shared online or stored on a flash drive. About a year ago, a popular Netflix show filmed an episode of a show of unsolved mysteries here in, oh. in Muskegon, and they um, used both the, while they were over at the library. But during the filming, the crew used the microphone reader to research an article related to the incident that occurred in that episode. Muskegon County yearbooks include a complete run of Muskegon High School, a substantially coverage of other schools, a comprehensive collection of original documents from various local businesses, industries, and organizations. We have maps, uh, which 
are land ownership maps of Muskegon County dating back to the 1860s. Um, we have a complete run of the Muskegon City directories dating back to the 1870s, which is an amazing collection if you're not mm -hmm. familiar with. Yeah. Learn about where someone lived. Sometimes it tells you where they moved from, if they moved. It tells you about their profession and all kinds of things. It's kind of like the predecessor to like Facebook almost. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of city directory them. Uh, we also have online access to Ancestry.com, Heritage Hub, which uh, provides access to countless genealogical records. The local history and genealogy department is located on the first floor, as I said, and the second floor is reserved for library staff, which includes the technical services workroom where all the materials going into the library are processed. The third floor where the ballroom is located is where the Muskegon County Genealogical Society meets and where we store our archival collection. Sounds like a massive treasure trove of information about Muskegon if you're interested in that history. Mm -hmm. um, sounds like pretty much anything you'd want to try and find, you can probably find here in some aspect or another. I'm, I'm sure. Um, yeah. There, yeah, there's so many little details and things. Um, whenever I bring somebody here for a tour, uh, they'll see a picture and they can relate something if they have family members who, who uh, are from here. So, um, yeah, if you have any connection to Muskegon, you're going to find something. And this is a great place to start that research. A lot of times, you know, doing local history research, genealogy research, it can be daunting, but this is a great location to come and have those resources. And the staff is extremely helpful in wanting to kind of guide you and help navigate to the starting points. So definitely a place to come. Do you know just approximately ballpark how many, you know, records there are here if you... Gosh, I... It's got to be thousands. Yeah. Um, and at like, least, I mean, at least thousands. Yes, yeah. yes, thousands. Like I was saying, some of those things are probably one of a kind, original resources, uh, letters, and photos. So it's hard to say, but it, it's it's a lot. For researchers that do come and use the Torrent House here, are they aware of, you know, what this building is? Are they aware of the history of John Torrent and the house at all? I think the story is really coming about and all the pieces are starting to come together um, and we'll probably talk about this more later but um, there's some attention being drawn to the building as we we're thinking of a renovation and so I think people knew parts and there isn't probably a day that goes by that someone comes in and says you know I, w I was born here or I can remember you know when it was a hospital a lot of people have a connection to the hospital um, but what's neat is it's starting to come together and gelling into this like one cohesive story. I mean, the library is, is historic and has such a significance in the community, but what's neat about the Torrent House is that it has all these stories to tell that are you know, about its different past lives, and so it just keeps coming and coming. Um, I'm learning something new all the time. But yeah, sharing it is what we're really trying to do now. I think it's just such a unique history. I mean, family, mortuary, uh hospital a red cross i mean just such a interesting backstory to mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. being a really old building here you mentioned you know some of the things like it didn't have adequate heating uh, um and the hospital in the city had to do some work on that um what are some of the challenges that you face as a library trying to maintain this large collection this old historical house yeah so one of the biggest challenges really is keeping up with the style and design of the buildings, maintaining that historical charm, but also kind of moving forward into modern times. Hackley Library and the Torrent House, they're very beloved by the community for many reasons, but one of the main reasons too is they see these buildings and it's their charm. It's you know the ambiance of walking into the, these old structures. There's a lot of history, a lot of personal history. 
these buildings, they have intricacies and details that really showcase the history and commend their age and you know something very special and one of the biggest parts about maintaining buildings like this is being able to not only preserve those details but doing it in a very cohesive way making sure everything is maintained properly making sure things aren't falling apart and just providing a great space for people to come and enjoy but also being able to keep up with modern times and adapting. Um, not only adapting the buildings to modern times, but also adapting the services as well. And being able to meet the public's expectations, how these buildings should be maintained. Because a lot of times people, they you know come to these structures and they do, they share their memories, they share their experiences. And you, know, you really wanna be able to kind of find that balance. There's a balance between Form and function. Form being how something looks and function being how something works. It's a continual process for finding that great balance with form and function. And like I mentioned, kind of maintaining the historical appeal of the Torrent House and Hackley Library, but then progressing with modern advances and adapting to everything a library can be within the modern world and offering those things to the public. As I mentioned, people often do have recollections of how the Torrent House was when they were younger, um, or even stories that they've heard, as well as Hackley Library. And a goal really is to ensure that the structures maintain that nostalgia for people to enjoy when they come and visit the buildings, but also being able to provide opportunities for new memories, you know, of the buildings and the services that are offered. It's a balancing act, exactly. it sounds like. You know, you need those services. They didn't plan for internet in 1890, yeah. uh, but right. you need that today's world to, to be um, useful and provide services. So, uh, yeah, so let's kind of talk then about some of the, the plans for the house then, since we've, we're touching on it right now. Okay, well... We hope to, in the next few years, to be able to share more of the original character of the building, like how Mallory was referring to that balance. But we also want to increase the accessibility and the usability of the spaces. Uh, the Torrent House has been modified over the years, but the goal will be to be able to restore and feature parts of the building, like the stained glass windows on the, on the stairs landing and other original features. This project that's starting to take shape will include restoring the Torrent House to a standalone structure. The Downtown Muskegon Development Corporation, or the DMDC, recently bought the building next to the Torrent House, the adjacent building. Next um, to slash on the Torrent House. Right, right, which yeah. would have been the addition. You know, the Red Cross had been there too, uh, with the intention of tearing it down. That was their whole goal in buying it and purchasing it. The next phase after demo is then to stabilize the Torrent House building while plans can be made for restoring the building. Um, the library, with help from the community, will explore all the possibilities ranging from a complete restoration that would include rebuilding the front porch and uh, putting back the portico share. So starting there from like a full restoration to on the other end, which would be creating a whole new entrance to the building that would allow access to all the floors, um, which would include a universal design, which would allow anyone to enter the building and, and to get to all the different spaces in the building. The library goal will be to restore the Torrent House while exploring the many possibilities uh, that having more access will bring. For example, the current stairwells are inadequate to get people to the third floor of the Torrent House, which includes a ballroom and other large spaces. The possibilities for the third floor have been considered things like uh, a library of things, a creator space, which could consist of sound studios, possible for podcasting, 
and also um, oral histories. It also could include a small venue that would overlook the park and the library, include additional meeting spaces. It could allow us for things that we can't do at the library. For instance, it would be great to have a teen space where we could set up screens and they could play games. It's one of the challenges we have at the library is, 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 is that balance. And sometimes with the being so historic, it's hard for people to imagine screens in the Julia Hackley room. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's one of the things. And we also would like to really make it a better space for the Muskegon County Genealogical Society so that they can continue to meet here as well. Project will take a few years, obviously. It's going to include that, you know, the demo, which could begin as early as this month, which is October. Then we'll be looking at that restoration, uh, then construction of a stairwell, and then uh, the renovation and um, also uh, the additional new spaces. Um, we're currently cleaning the basement of the Torrent House to allow for better storage of our archives. That way we can move some of the things that are currently on the third floor to the basement. So basically kind of the way it's set up right now is maybe just like 20% of the house is accessible and open mm -hmm. to the public. You're hoping to kind of make that, you know, closer to 80% right. or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Right? That's a really good yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, and also being able to show people different parts because it's not really, as it is now, the way it's situated is not really great for pub as a public space. So it'd be really neat to be able to share that with the community so that they can enjoy it too and um, really kind of bring more people into here. And I'll just say, just because I got a little sneak peek looking around here before we started recording, um, there's, I don't know if there's better views in Muskegon than out of some of these windows in the Torrent House here, just overlooking kind of the, the main downtown area here. It's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I personally would love to see more access to this space. I would love yeah. to come back and check things out more. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like things could start moving pretty quickly here with the mm -hmm. demolition now. With that structure that's attached to the house is um, demoed there, is there going to be, you know, gaps in the wall that need to be fixed right away or are things kind of sealed somewhat between them at this point? So there has been an investigation, which is really interesting because in the investigation, they found this really neat note. It was written by uh, one of the city com city commissioners at the time who was restoring the building when they were closing them off. And the note reads, this is written in a doorway. It, it reads, um, quote, this opening was closed on 4-20-74 by Floyd Farmer Jr. Hopefully the red tumor to the east of the Torrent House will be torn down before many more years. Um, wow. So it just gives you a little idea. So, which is kind of, it's just amazing that the, he was calling it the tumor. It really stuck. I don't think that it was ever well, well received, the addition to the Torrent House. I think they always saw it as this ugly thing hanging on the side. So, so that investigation kind of gives us a sense of what we're looking at now. And it's extensive. They built exterior walls to hold a fire door system and there are steel girders that tie the buildings together um, so we're still getting a sense of that so the first would be demo and that that helps us then to get a full view then they'll do the the uh, contractors will come in they'll do us what we're calling stabilization meaning that if something is removed it's it's going to be very stable the building is going to lean or or you know sink uh, also, the basement has a fire door in it, and so that would have to be shored up. And so that's going to take a little while, hopefully before winter, that the building will be stabilized. And then it's probably going to be like that for a little while. We're going to hope that it doesn't look too bad because you're going to see it when you're coming down West Webster. You're going to see this broad side of the building, and it's yeah. going to really stand out. So we're hoping that we can cover it our best we can so it's not 
too unsightly, but it, it will be it will be rough. But that will keep us motivated to get to the next step, which is figuring out what we want to do. And like I said, there's a full range of things that we're exploring. You know, it got out in the paper that there was this idea that we would fully restore it and that it would be great to do that. And I think that would be awesome. And I never step in the way of that. But if there's some way to leverage this into a way of making the building more useful, we'd like to explore that too. Because with it being rough like that, maybe that's the place to put an entranceway with a stairwell. So if that doesn't happen, then we'll still pursue it, but we'll just do it somewhere else. Kind of good and bad. I mean, it gives you this great opportunity to kind of redesign it into a more modern, um, you know, more modern accessibility, things that we're all Mm -hmm. used to today. But then with that, of course, comes a lot of cost. Is there any idea of A, how much it might cost or, you know, B, how, how to raise this money for this project? Those are really good questions. I think the first part with the demo, we're actively fundraising now. There's a fund at the Community Foundation that's set aside for uh, the demo of the addition. Um, that's going to be roughly about $250,000 for that part. The stabilization will probably be another fifty. It's going to be hard, again, to know the extent of that when we still don't can't see it all. Yeah, so it's just like a house. You start tearing out walls and you find right. all kinds of stuff. It, yeah, It could be more. So um, we're hoping to fundraise for that. Then... The stairwell, we, we started looking at options, and that could be roughly maybe between five and 700000 If we include an elevator, it could, that, that's like the max. If we were to include the elevator with the stairs, we're looking at maybe something more like seven hundred, if not maybe more closer to the five hundred with just a stairwell. Just for the, to do actual restoration, I'm not even, I can't even know. I have no idea. I mean, that's included, that would be sourcing out limestone. We'd have to have very specialized limestone carvers. I mean, if you look at the the features on the the other sides of the building, you can see like there was definitely no expense spared. And there's a lot of that, uh, it's called Richstonian styling. And that's not something everyone is used to doing nowadays. In fact, I don't think you could build a, a building like this. So you know, that's all unknown. We're looking at grant opportunities. We're trying to explore those. We have a couple already out uh, to help us with some of that restoration cost. Because even if it doesn't get to where it's where it looked like it did originally, there's still going to have to be some restoration. The other thing is, too, once that's done, the rest is... So if that's all clean and shiny with brand new limestone, the rest of the building is going to look, you know, weathered. There's little chips here and there. So we're going to want to then move on to the rest of the building and fill in those gaps and clean it. Um, so there's there's quite a bit there just alone, I, I mean, um, without even thinking of the next step. So, but it would be through, all of it would be through fundraising. Maybe some grants, hopefully some grants too. Yeah, yeah those always help, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you're thinking about today's money, it was like 7.8 million, I think you'd said to build it. So you think about trying to fix up a $7.8 million house and now there's mm-hmm. gonna be a lot of costs associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least hopefully, I mean, bare minimum, you'll be able to, to keep it nice and stable and open up some of the spaces, hopefully, to the public to come yep. and, yeah. and see and hopefully that can spread this project further along. No, and that's definitely the goal, you know, as Joe mentioned, to make this space more user-friendly, more accessible, you know, because the library is here for the community and we really want to make sure that the structures we have are there for the community to not only use but to enjoy for several purposes. Mm-hmm. And then the hope would be maybe too that next door where the building was, the, the, unfortunately the carriage house that um, stands next to the Tarn house 
is going to be torn down. It, it's too far gone. They had made so many modifications to it. They took off the, the pitched roofs and made it a flat roof. So unfortunately that'll be gone. But one idea I had that kind of thought might be a way to show some respect there would be to put a uh, garden there and call it the carriage house garden or something like that. But it would be focused on early literacy and it's just a green space, place for someone to enjoy. We don't really have much of a yard with the library. So it'd be great right. if that could be um, some way to have people be able to enjoy library services outside as well. All right. Thank you two very much. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention about the Torrent House? Well, I mean, just as far as the services go with local history and genealogy, definitely visit hackleylibrary.org. You can find a lot of information about the department with local history and genealogy, some of the services that we offer. Um, check it out, you know, because there's a lot to see. And even just coming to see the building and seeing, you know, the opportunities for growth that we have and how we're really excited about it. So come see us. When is the Torrent House open? Yeah, so the Torrent House has hours um, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. And so you can come see us anytime during then. You can also reach out through email as well if you have questions. You can email localhistory um, at hackleylibrary.org. You can give a call to the direct number. It's 231-722-8016. We're always curious to hear from you, to try to help in any way we can. And that's something that I know that the staff really takes a lot of pride in is being able to help people find the answers they're looking for. And we just love seeing the community enjoy the services. And Joe, just really quickly, you mentioned there's a fund at the Community Foundation that people can donate to if they're interested. Is there a specific name or a best way to find that? It's just called the Torrent House Fund, and they can contact the Community Foundation. They'll know what you're referring to if you've mentioned the Torrent House. Um, and it would be great. It would be a, a huge help. I know demo does not sound that attractive to donate towards demolition, but if you think about the possibilities of seeing this building be a standalone um, structure again, I think it's just amazing. So it has to start somewhere. So um, please think about it, contact the Community Foundation, and, and uh, explore those possibilities too. Thank you very much, Mallory and Joe, and thank you sure. for inviting me over here to the Torrent House. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was great.